this morning, I want to, um, I, I just thought it was great, you know, a couple of those worship songs that Trent picked for this morning. Uh, now, we don't, whoever's speaking doesn't normally communicate with the worship leaders, and so when the worship leaders are listening to God's heart and trying to organise, okay, what songs are we going to sing today, God? What are we going to sing to you? They just do that, and then they turn up and present, you know, they and, and so whoever's preaching is often in a very in, independently seeking God. And I just thought it was awesome that the songs this morning were like, God, if I, what could I bring to you if I could bring the whole world as a gift to you, God? It's too small. That's a, it's actually part of like a, it's, I mean, that's a, you know, a contemporary song, but you know, that's one of Wesley's type songs. If you're, you've got any sort of Methodist roots in your background there, some of Wesley's old hymns were like, God, if we could bring you all the treasures of the world, it still wouldn't be enough to say thank you. It wouldn't be enough to say how great you are, God. If, even if we could bring it all, it's just too small in comparison to your greatness. And anyway, I thought it was great, you know, Trent's picking these songs about treasures and bringing our heart and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and I, I wanted, as I spent time with God this week, he, he told me, I want you to keep talking about the fact that, you know, we have been made for so much more. We have been made for so much more. And we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. We've been made for the glorification of God in the earth. You guys are glory givers. You've got glory to give. You guys have got glory to give. That's what it means when God made it in the book, in the Genesis account, it says he made us in, as image bearers of him, that when people look at us, they get like, a, like this reflected image of there's some godness about that piece of creation over there. You know, and, 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 so, and, and then we have this as God's creation, this capacity to give glory to release glory and glorify whatever it is that we want to glorify. And, um, you know, God, you know, Paul's talking, we talked about it in 1 Corinthians a bit a couple of weeks ago, but God's actually made us so that we can give him glory. Now, it sounds a bit selfish on God's end, but it's actually just the overflowing reality of the relationship that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are already sharing. They're already like glorifying each other and going, you are amazing, Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit are saying. And the Holy Spirit is saying, Jesus, Father, you guys are amazing. And Jesus is saying, oh, hey, hang on. Father, you are amazing. Holy Spirit, you are amazing. They are seeking to ascribe glory to each other. And this is what they've been doing for the ages gone by, even before creation happened. And out of the overflow of the glory-giving relationship that God has within himself is this overspilling reality called creation. Creation is the overflowing work of the relationship, what's going on inside the Godhead. So for ages, ages past, God has been ascribing glory to each other and the overflow of that is creation and by way of that, the pinnacle of his creation, which is according to the story that we live in by faith, that we choose to live in, is that the pinnacle of that creation is you. The highest point of that creation is you. The overspilling reality of God glorifying himself is you. 
It's a bit hard to get your head around that. That's very big. It's, it, it's incredibly big. And it's so big, even if we grasp a small reality of it, it means big change for our life and for the world in which we live. Even if we only get like a small bit of revelation of that grandeur, it means big change for the world. It means big change for you and big change for me. We have been, in the goodness of God, given this amazing capacity to give glory. Now, I, I, I love this, I, I'm going to, like, Tuesday nights, if I'm not home and I'm out and about meeting with people or whatever, I'll record this program on Tuesday nights on TV. And it's this, it's this, it's on Seven Mate, and it's called, um, well, there's two of them in a row. The first one is called Man Finds Food, and the second one is called Chow Masters. And it's just all about these, you know, two different shows, but it's basically these guys that are just in this search for the most amazing foods across America. And so on the first one called Man Finds Food, this, this series is actually, there's these restaurants all through America, and particularly in Chicago area, Illinois, where you can't actually find them unless you're looking for them. In other words, they don't have signs up on the street to say, here's this restaurant. There's this whole range of restaurants called hidden restaurants in Chicago. And you've actually got to hear and find someone that knows someone that knows someone where these restaurants are so that you can then go and get to those restaurants. It's really, it's really quite amazing. And these restaurants are so popular, everyone's hunting for them. And so this guy's done a whole show on man finds food. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's just a great show. Anyway, but the point of it is this guy, he, will, he goes in and like a couple of weeks ago, the episode was he was looking for the best breakfast sandwich in, in, in this area. And so anyway, they have three restaurants and, and they have, oh, sorry, this is in the other show, they find these three restaurants and then they pit them against each other to see who's got the best breakfast sandwich. I mean, these bacon, these sandwiches have got everything on them. I mean, eggs, bacon, fritters, I mean, salads. I mean, just, I mean, they're, they're sandwiches. If I put a picture up, I mean, they're sandwiches that stack about this high and you literally need to put your knee on it to get your mouth around it. They are so big. And one of the things I love about it, when any of these guys on these shows, they get the food in front of them. And you can see them salivating. They're literally like, and they're trying to describe the smell of what they're smelling. And the juices in their mouth are like starting to really ramp up. And you can see one guy, you know, he's watching them make it and he's starting to get faint because it's like, whoa, this food is so amazingly good. And he hasn't even tasted it yet. And so often, after they get this burger or sandwich or whatever it is, and they bite into it, you'll watch the reaction on these guys. They literally close their eyes and, and like their head rolls back and they just, and they start to let out these sounds like, oh, oh my goodness, 
Oh, this is so great. And then they're just trying to, like, they're just, their whole body, their whole system is just all of a sudden being overloaded with the sensations of what they've discovered in this sandwich or this burger or whatever it is they're eating. It's incredible. You've got to watch it. You've got to watch it. <laughs> I, I mean, I eat dinner before I watch the show because if I try and watch the show first and then eat dinner, I'll just empty the house. It just wakes up every craving within me. It's like, ah! I'll still even get stuff after watching the show because it's so amazing. But anyway, they just out comes these non-verbals, like, oh, it's almost like they're enamored and drunk on this food. And then they'll just, and then the words come out, you know, and it's usually, oh my God, oh my goodness. And then they'll start, and one guy, his, one of his favorite words is this. He, 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 he stands there and he goes, oh, glorious. This is glorious. <laughs> He, he is ascribing to the food its worth. And the most highest word, verbalization of what's happening in here, in the experience for him is, I give glory. <laughs> this is what it's meant to be like in our relationship with God. This is the Christian life. When we meet Jesus, it's all about the treasure. It's all about the treasure. And I want to just touch into that a little bit this morning. And we're going to spend some time digging into this. You know, on, um, I, I, um, I, I got out of town on um, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday for a night, and I usually try and do this once a year where I can just get some time with God, where it's just me and God. It's not me and my wife and my kids and God. It's not me and my wife and my kids and the body of Christ and God. It's just me and God. And, and you should all do that. At least once a year you should do that. And care for your soul. And give your soul the time, your heart, the time that it needs to be with its maker. And you know what? Let me tell you, whenever you make those decisions to do that, everything, everything that was and is and is to come will want to rise up and tell you, you can't go. <laughs> There's too much happening, or this has all of a sudden happened, or that's broken down all of a sudden, and this and that, and, blah, blah, and it will try to rob you of that moment. But try and just once a year, maybe for 24 hours, just go and, go and invest in your relationship with God, where it's you and God. I mean, this is apart from the daily you know, I'm meeting with God in the busy, busyness of your day. I mean, this is like, okay, I'm out of town, I'm out of my normal environment. And anyway, so I'm driving up to the Sunshine Coast because for me, one of the ways God's made me, and we're all very different, but one of the, and a guy by the name of Gary Thomas, he's written a whole series of books on this stuff called Sacred Pathways. And it just, it just celebrates and identifies for people how God's made them and the environments in which they can really connect with God. He actually has a website. You can go on to his website. He's got a whole series of books and very helpful little tools. Anyway, um, so I'm driving up because, to the coast because for me, one of the places that I really feel my soul is filled with the presence of the Lord is when I can sit on sand and hear the water of the surf rolling in. That just, for some reason... 
the way God's made me. Climbing a mountain and standing on a hill doesn't do it for me. Walking through a rainforest won't do it for me. Actually, surfing doesn't do it for me. It's actually just sitting on sand with my feet in sand and just listening to the waves roll in. That just like fills my soul for some reason. That's just the way God's made me. And he's made you all differently. And you've all got these amazing places and spaces to discover with God where you can meet with him like that. So just you might want to check that out on, online. Gary Thomas, Sacred Pathways. You might just want to check that out. There's some good tools on there. Anyway, I'm driving up the coast and I get to, uh, you know, part of the way to Caboolture and I'm like, oh, darn it, I need fuel. So I'm like, get to the servo. And as I get to the servo and I start to fill my car up, all of a sudden, my body starts just heaving. Like, (sighs) I was just like heaving. And at the time, I'm like, I'm familiar with this. This, this, This heaving, this physical thing that's going on in me right now, this heaving, it's, it reminded me of before I met Jesus, where my body was craving for stuff. It was seeking to be satisfied. It, it, there's this, you know, the scriptures actually talk about our, the longing of our flesh. All of a sudden, I was very aware of the longings of my flesh. And I was like, maybe I just need a meat pie and a Coke. But I was like, no, this isn't meat pie and Coke thing going on here. This is, I was all of a sudden, I became very aware. I was like, I, this is the power of the Father heart of God coming over me, and he can't wait to meet with me even more than my flesh right now is beginning to crave his presence. So strong was this heart of God that was coming over me while I was at the server. I was like, hurry up, fill up, hurry up, fill up. I've got to get up there. It was amazing. So I get up there and I drive up there and I'm like, Lord, where am I going to stay? And he says, stay in that hotel there. I'm like, all right, I'll stay in that hotel there. So I roll in and I'm, you know how checking in these places is normally not till two o'clock. I was there at 11.45 and they said, yeah, you can check in right now. I'm like, yes. So I get into my room, I throw my things in there and I just, I just like in the clothes I'm in, I just run straight down to the pool and just fall in it. And I'm like, oh. Here I am, Father. This is me and you. Here I am. Oh, it, was, it was just an amazing 24 hours of just being with God. God has placed this hunger in us, this, this craving deep within our spirit, our mind, our flesh for the living God because we are the overflow of who he is. And it's all about the treasure. It's all about the treasure. See, and I thought it was great. Again, this morning there was that prophetic word that came out, see, the winter is over. And I've written that here in my notes to remind us all again. The Father's love and power is drawing us as individuals and as a people away from the moorings, away from the safe harbors of the things that we've attached our life to in the hope of security, in the name of safety and well-being and a managed life. And the Father's calling us out from the safety of that mooring 
And he's lighting people's spirits up, their hearts up, their minds up, their flesh up, and there's this craving coming to the surface. God's calling us all into his love. He's drawing us into the great seas or the great ocean of his kingdom adventure with Jesus as Lord, where Jesus actually gets to be Lord. And away from the safe moorings that we've attached our life to. Two weeks ago, Dave Dave gave a great message. If you haven't been on soundcloud.com and had a listen or, or podcast, Vineyard Pine Rivers, get on there and listen to it. Because the Lord gave a message there. And in that message there was this call to renounce duplicity. To renounce, to choose to reject living with the idea of I can have Jesus and other things too. And think that I can live a satisfied life. And, he, and, he, and, and the Holy Spirit through David drew, called people out of the moorings of duplicity and onto the oceans of the love of God. It's a great message. John 15, the vine and the branches was the core scripture that he used. Get, it, get, get into this, guys. You know what? I listen to this stuff over and over and over and over again. The resources are here for you. Access them, use them, listen to them. Then last Sunday, Karen Jacobs gave an amazing teaching and reminded us of the divine power of God from 2 Peter 2, that God has given us his divine power to do life. And and, and if if you were watching or listening, as Karen was speaking, there was one moment there where she was reading that scripture again and she just all of a sudden broke down. You had to be quick to watch it and catch it. But her heart all of a sudden started to be on her face and in her words. And it's like, there's so many people here who need to just know you have been given the divine power of God to do life. And God was drawing people again into that reality. If you've got your Bible, quickly open it up to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13:44. And in Matthew 13:44, it's just one uh, one little verse. Oh, here we go. Hey, was the password Sam? Was the password Vineyard 12? Yeah. Vineyard 12. Awesome. Thanks. Matthew 13:44 reads this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then he went in his joy and he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. That's a great little you know, picture uh, that Jesus uses to paint to tell us about the nature of the kingdom of God. Um, you see, our hearts from the day we are born, we are a restless people. Now when I say restless, it's... R-E-S-T hyphen L-E-S-S. We are restless. We are restless people. Our hearts are restless. If they were restful, we would be at peace. But because they're restless, they tell us that we're not at peace. And our hearts have always been like that because God has made them to only find home in him. 
and yet we've tried to find many other things for our hearts to be at home in. And we have made, been made for so much more, and yet we settle for so much less. Now, some people would argue the point, and they would say, oh, the reason why, um, you know, you know, people choose to engage in, you know, um, just sinful, broken stuff is because their hearts are so out of control and, I, and, and so, like, um, so hugely given. And I would say, even if we could think of the most heinous sin to participate in, I would still say, that's a sign of our heart. Only, it, it, well, it's, I would say it's a sign of our heart not loving to its full capacity and we've settled for less. Because if our God and maker is the great high God and king that he is, everything there under is less than. And if he has made us to have direct relationship with him and we're choosing to give our heart to another or a thing or a stuff or a, an addiction as gross or as big as we could imagine, it's still less than. See, our hearts have been made for greater than. They've been made to be in relationship with the King of glory, the maker of heaven and earth. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure um, hidden in a field. St. Augustine, one of the, uh, the church fathers, he said this once, and he wrote a, it's a famous line, and he, and he, and he, and he um, wrote it and um, preached many messages on it. And he said this, he said, God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until our hearts are at rest in you. After journeying with Jesus for a few years now, I've discovered that when I stop investing in the well-being of my heart-to-heart -heart relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, I find a growing restlessness in my life. A, gray, a growing unhappiness in my life. When I stop giving my heart to what it's been made to find home and life in, I start to grow restless. So today, as we build on that amazing teaching that we've had over the last few weeks, I just want to quickly point out a few things about our hearts. But before we do that, I want us to pray. Um, and I want us to pray because right now there's a group of about 30 people up at Cedar Creek with our youth, and they are like, they've been up there pursuing God for, since Friday night. They've been hungering after God. They've been stretching themselves. They've been risking God. They've been risking each other, being real before each other. There's 30 of them there up there on the hill, and they are like going after God with everything they've got. And they're going, to, they're going to be here tonight, and I want to encourage and invite every single one of you to do everything that you possibly can to get here tonight and celebrate what God has done in their life. Hear me. These are our kids. They're strangers' kids. 
Give yourself for them tonight. Be here at six o'clock. Listen to their stories. Listen to what God's done in their life. Push everything else aside for the cause of the kingdom in these kids tonight. There's an amen. I'll take that as an amen. Anyway, let's pray for these kids. They're up there right now. They're not kids. They're young people. Let's pray for them. Father, as they're up at Cedar Creek, we thank you that you've been invading them with your love and your kindness and your purposes and your passion and your, your, just your power in both wonderfully personal and yet extreme ways. And we just ask that today as they finish up and as they keep pushing into you and as they come tonight to celebrate that before you, at church tonight and some of their families come from that don't go to church and don't know you God and God just use it use it please use this for your glory bless these kids these young people that they would have passion that would just outstrip us that would make us look half-hearted in their enthusiasm for you and your kingdom in their world Lord Father Pour out your spirit on them, we pray, more than you've even done right now. And even as you're doing it for the young people, God, for those of us in the ranks here this morning who have had divine visitations of your power, of your spirit come upon them, but they have grown cold, stir them up again, Holy Spirit. Stir them up, we pray. Bring back those moments, those encounters, those, those engaging moments that completely ruined us for anything but you, God. In the name of Jesus, bless us, God. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Friends, this is about heart life. It's about the nature of our hearts. Our hearts are on the hunt, just like the men in, in that show, Man Finds Food and Chow Masters. They are on the hunt. Our hearts are on the hunt. That's Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a man who is what? Searching for treasure. Searching for treasure. You've been made to hunt out. The reason why your heart and my heart gets restless, it's been made to hunt for the God. And when we hunt for anything less, we come up short, disappointed, fragmented, lost, disappointed, disengaged, you name it. But we read that scripture, Matthew 13, 44. Let me put it back there. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had to find it. We read that from, that's about us towards God. Now it is right and proper to actually read this at the same time as a picture of God hunting for us. This is the nature of a parable. See, the father heart of God is on the hunt and he found great treasure in his creation. And in his pleasure, in his joy, in the joy of God, his son Jesus said, Father, me, let me go. Let me take on flesh. Let me go and demonstrate. Let me be the one who gets liquidated. S sell me so that you can buy back the kingdom and everyone within it. Oh, with joy. For the joy, Paul says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. 
What was the joy of Jesus? It was knowing that his actions would restore unto God the glory to his name through his good creation. See, God's heart is on the hunt. And you might be saying, well, I've been found. Well, guess what? Every day we rise, he's on the hunt. He wants more. He wants to engage more. He wants to be involved more. And with joy, he will do everything he can. Like Jesus said, my father, he's always at work. With joy, God is pursuing each and every one of us. He's pursuing everyone in our region. He's pursuing our political leaders. He's pursuing people in nations far from us. The earth is the Lord's and everything within it. God's on the hunt. That's why our lives get interrupted with his love. That's why we get interrupted with, well, I was going this way and then all of a sudden I met Jesus and he was talking to me and now I'm going this way. That's called repentance. I'm following Jesus. Hunting hearts. You know, I love watching... I don't know that we'll be able to do it too much longer, but we have a tradition in our family that when our families get together at Easter time, you know, we run around and put all these um, eggs out in the yard, sort of little plastic eggs with lollies in them, and there's always one that's got like 10 bucks in it. And so... Everyone lines up and the little ones, they get to go first and they get, you know, they get like a two-minute head start and then, you know, the oldest in the queue, Caitlin, she's like, all right, I have to wait. But as she's waiting, you know, the anticipation's rising, you know, like, I just want to get out there and find those eggs. And everyone loves to find the eggs because they've got lots of treats in them. What they really love is they love the egg with the 10 bucks in it. <laughs> they want the egg. And when whoever gets the egg, they get to, woo, I got that 10 bucks. You know, I don't know how much longer we could do that because they're starting to get a bit bigger than, than what they once were. But anyway, they love to hunt. They love to discover. They love to search for the treasure. That's the way we've been made. That's how God's made us to be in relationship with him towards him and him towards us. In our marriage over the years, where Nicole and I have, have, have wanted to, to grow, yeah, we've had good relationship and yeah, we could settle for where we are. But when as soon as we begin to settle, we get restless and when we stop investing in time with each other and our, the way we choose to love each other, emotionally, physically, practically, materially, the whole deal, as soon as we stop investing in giving our lives for, for the other, and seeking for more for our marriage. Our marriage grows cold. We find ourselves fighting more, yelling at each other more, yelling at the kids, yelling at anyone, really. <laughs> Poor stranger driving past me. <laughs> our desire to see the kingdom come in the earth and heal the sick Feed the poor, for the demonized, our, our hunger to see them set free. We're on the hunt. Kingdom people, Jesus people are always on the hunt for what the Father is doing. Are you on the hunt or are you on a cold trail? Because John 15 was preached about two weeks ago and Jesus said very clearly, 
in that scripture. He said, I am the true vine. He's making a distinction between himself and every other false vine. Remain in me and I'll remain in you, Jesus says. Stick in the true vine. So what are the false vines? Is it a successful career? Is it financial security? Is it physical, you know, vanity? What, what, what are the false vines that we're connecting ourselves into and pursuing and wondering why we're coming up empty? I mean, God, help us. Wake up, O oh hearts. Wake up, O oh hearts. You've been made for so much more. All our desires are satisfied and both not just satisfied, increased, continually increased in the reality of knowing Jesus. I've been following Jesus for 25 years and I know that's not something on some of you guys that are here. You've been following him a lot longer. And all praise to God. But I know that as soon as I think I've got everything that I need, he says, there's more. Come on. And it's like, you know... It's like a treasure hidden in a field all over again. God likes to hide because God loves our hearts coming alive in the pursuit of him. It's like they're really after me. Their hearts are really after me. It's the way God's made it. Some of you all might be in another one of those seasons where God's hiding. The kingdom's hidden. I know it's there somewhere. I know your kingdom's there somewhere, God. Where is your kingdom? What is the prayer of someone who's found that the kingdom, the kingdom is hiding at the moment? What's the prayer? Well, Jesus said, pray it. Father, your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven. Just pray that. That's the prayer of a hungry heart. Is the, is the kingdom hidden for you right now? It's okay if it is. Jesus is inviting you back into the hunt for more. You think you know God now. You'll discover more again and again and again and again. Don't give up on the hunt. Stop sucking life from false vines. Hook into the true vine and let his life flow through you. And in that John 15 passage it was, Jesus said, hey guys, wake up. You can't do nothing without me. Oh, that's a wake up. Our desire for greater and greater measures of, you know, Nicole and I, we, we, and, and I love the way Scott prayed this prayer when we were doing our offerings today. He said, God, give us more so that we can Give more. Not give us more so that we can moor ourselves to financial security. Jeez, man, the GFC should have taught us something. <laughs> the global financial crisis in 2019 should have taught us something. Don't go rushing back to those moors and anchoring yourself onto those so-called financial securities. Get out on the sea of adventure of the kingdom of God. Give us more so we can give more. I tell you, that's how Nick and I pray. That's why we ache 
for more money to come through this place. And you don't hear me talking like that much. But that's one of our very hidden and very passionate prayers because we want to see more of the kingdom go out through this place. We want to see more churches planted. We want to see more people established in their life and callings. We want to see more, Lord. We want to invest more, invest more, invest more in the work of the kingdom. I've only got so much breath in this tank. And I want to breathe every last bit of it so by the time I get off planet Earth and I wait for the renewal of it, with the coming, second coming of Christ, by the time I get off this planet, I've spent every bit of it I can for the sake of his name. That's what we're on about here at Vineyard. <laughs> Nicole often says to me, I think you're a bit full on sometimes, Kirk. Well, I've tasted of God. I've tasted God. I've tasted God. You've tasted God. You've tasted the living God. You have tasted God. The all-glorious, all-powerful maker of heaven and earth who out of his kindness spilled out in love and made you. Not born of the will of a man or a woman, but by the inspiration of God. Whoa, why live for anything less? Why invest in anything less? Give it all. Give it all. Give it all. In obedience to him, hungry hearts, distant... I, I'm, I'm really rabbiting on here. I might have to close this up. But um, there's one... List, there's, uh, just, just be careful of this one. Um, in Mark 6, Jesus was talking to some um, Pharisees one day and he, and he was actually quoted Isaiah which is like old, old school um, circumstances of the people of Israel that he was using to answer these Pharisees one day. And, 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 and he said this, he says, you know, these people, they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They worship God in vain. <laughs> it's like <clears throat> going to the front door of your house and it's locked and you don't have a key and you think I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take off this thong of mine and I'm going to put it in the keyhole and see if it opens. Now that is just what? Stupid. But that's the point Jesus is making. He says, hello people. Don't be so stupid as to spend your life on fruitless, dumb stuff. And the way you know you're doing fruitless, dumb stuff is your heart substitutes relationship with religion. Some of you this morning might have turned up, oh God, I better get to church today, do that thing. Hopefully you'll be happy with me. I can find some peace. There's no, there's no relationship in doing that. He wants to meet with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to minister his love to your soul. He wants to speak in healing and power into your body. He wants to bring his good kingdom to you. He wants his glory to rest on you. 
Don't, 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 don't resort to rules. Don't resort to I must or I should. Liquidate all that. Invest in the kingdom, the relationship with Jesus. Be careful of your heart. The tendency is to get busy rather than to get Jesus. You can quote me on that because I do that. I, I know we can fix this situation, this circumstance. I'll just get busier. That'll do it. <laughs> I'll take this organised shamble of what I call daily life and everything that we're going to jam into it, and I'll just add more to it. That'll fix it. Has anyone ever been there or is this just me? Yeah. Hello? Don't get busy. Get Jesus. Don't substitute relationship for rules. Instead of living from, oh, I should do this or I should do that, how about we resort to and go back to, hey, I can't do this without you, God. John 15. You can't do anything without me. Why don't we resort back to the relationship? Let's just step back into that, into that true vine that life is coursing through. What are the fruitless things that we're all doing in our daily life that's actually impeding the very treasure that our heart is longing for? Jesus will deliver. We are meant to be these people of joy. I was listening to um, a gentleman once. Uh, his name is Chris Pemberton, and he's part of Holy Trinity Brompton Church and part of the team there in London. And he came and did some uh, work with uh, some of the vineyard pastors in Australia here late, uh, earlier this year. And we had a day with him, and he was taking us through some, some scriptures and things, and he was talking about joy, you know, about is there any joy in the ministry anymore? You know, is there any joy in you for participating in the life of the local church and the kingdom of God? And he's just asking this and, and, and he said, you know, I was, um, he, said, he, he said, I was listening to this uh, old preacher one day and this old preacher got up the front and he said to the church, he said, oh, he said, is there any joy in, in, in this place today? And, and, and there was a lot of silence and sort of sour looking faces and he said, oh, I know why you're looking like that. You, you've accidentally mistaken the hemorrhoid cream for toothpaste. See, a lot of Christians are walking around like they've mistaken the roid cream for toothpaste. True. Where's the joy of the Lord? Where is the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord should be on our faces. It should be in the fact that we get to participate with God in doing life, in extending his kingdom in living for what we've always been made for. Gladness of heart is the overflowing reality of a heart that is living in the reality of, I've discovered the treasure. I've discovered the treasure. When was the last time you celebrated knowing personally the treasure? Jesus. Jesus. Joy flows from being loved by the treasure. 
Joy flows from accepting our situations, knowing that even our own discontent will not kill the joy of the treasure. Joy flows from having something or someone of such great worth um, empowering our life. And joy comes from giving away the very thing we've discovered. How's the joy? How's the joyometer? The joyometer. Maybe you just need to start using toothpaste. Instead of that other stuff. Joy-filled hearts, full hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, Mark 12, 30. And full hearts, they look like this. This is the response of a full heart. A full heart sounds like this in its conversation with the Lord. You know, it just says, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, when I went away for that 24 hours this week, there was this song that a friend of mine gave me to listen to. They sent me a little iTunes card as a gift and I was able to download. Or they actually sent me the song, the, the album of this one guy. And it's just this little song and I just played it once. And I tell you, I couldn't get it out of my heart for over 24 hours. And it's just this little song just saying thank you. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for flowers thank you for my life thank you for my family just just thank thank you thank you for my church thank you just thank you that's what that's what a full heart sounds like it sounds like thank you and the other side of thank you that a full heart sounds like is this yes lord yes lord yes lord That's what a full heart sounds like. Thank you and yes, Lord. I was just finishing off with this yesterday when Nicole and I and Sarah, we rode our bikes down the road to see Chris and Rach who live not too far away from us in this little new little bundle of joy called Levi. And we were sort of recounting, you know, all of a sudden we were getting flashbacks of what it was like at that stage. And... and, um, we were talking about Levi and his little sort of how well he's sleeping and he's learning his new sleeping patterns and all that sort of stuff, went to eat, and went to play, went to sleep, all that stuff. And we're like, yeah, that's full on. And we were, we were all of a sudden, both Nicole and I looked at each other and we, were autom- we knew what we were talking about even when we looked at each other. We were, all of a sudden, our second son, Luke, came to our mind. Our, our first son, who is our second child, Luke, came to our mind. And when we were looking at this little boy, our Luke came to our mind. And we were like, oh, God, remember he wouldn't sleep more than 20 minutes? How did we do those first two years? How did we get through all that? And then I was like, hey, and remember that time when he was only six weeks old and, and your nana died and I was supposed to do the funeral for her? But I couldn't do it because I'd actually booked to go to Asia and spend, take a team of 30 people into access restricted Asia. And you ended up having to stand beside the graveside of your nana in the pouring rain, holding a child that was, wasn't eating and sleeping properly while holding Caitlin's hand and feeling half, you know, worn out and wrung out. You remember that? 
<laughs> she's like, oh yes, I remember. Full hearts, hearts, hearts that are full. They're willing to walk through whatever. Convenient situations, inconvenient life situations. Hard, good, doesn't matter. Full hearts are for the kingdom of God. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Even though I had to say to my mother and father-in-law, I'm sorry, I can't do the funeral. I have to go overseas. Even though I had to say to Nicole, I'm sorry, I have to leave you like this. But I've said, yes, Lord. And you know, that there was no bitterness in any of that. There was awkwardness and tough conversation and there was like, gosh, this isn't convenient. <laughs> there was all of that kind of conversation that went with it. But the overwhelming reality that was driving our experience in that time was, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And you know, he, he, he graciously looked after everyone in the situation. And we had an amazing time overseas where we were able to empower a whole bunch of the persecuted church. Where's Jesus calling you to go? What's he telling you to do? What's the, where's the treasure saying, please do this for me? King David said it like this. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, uh, uh, I'll just leave it. Anyway, Psalm 86, or is it in this next one? I don't know. No, I haven't. Anyway. Psalm 86. King David says this. We're going to go into ministry time. King David said, Teach me your ways, O God, and give me an undivided heart. He said, basically, an undivided heart was, I want this thing in here. I want it to be whole. I want it to be united. I want it to be one heartbeat. I don't want it to be given to other things. Just teach me your ways, Lord, and give me what my heart has always longed for, which is to be undivided. That's what causes the stress in all of this, our divided hearts. God's on the hunt for your heart this morning. He's on the hunt for mine too. From the moment I woke up, he's been pursuing me. Some days I'm just like, God, would you go away? I haven't got more to give. And he's like, oh, yeah, you do. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. Give me an undivided heart. Hey, uh, who wants to go on a treasure hunt today? Who wants to go on a treasure hunt? Who wants to find the treasure? Who wants to hunt for the treasure? And who wants to be treasure found by God? Some of you all in here need to, you are really precious and God's hunting for you this morning with his love through Jesus Christ. He wants to find you. 
and let you know again just how amazing you are to him. That you would come into your divine purpose. Why don't we quickly, let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for um, helping us to get through another hot, hot Sunday in the shed. But more than that, I thank you that you're interrupting our life with your love. God, you're interrupting our life with your love. You're so awesome, God. You're on the hunt. You've been like, from the moment we woke up and started to breathe, our first breath that we were aware of, you, we were, you were pursuing us and drawing us and calling us. And I just thank you that in this, in this place where we've set it apart for you, Lord, You've been reaching towards your treasure. Holy Spirit, would you come now and let those of us that need to know that we are treasure to God, give us a revelation of that in the bigness and the love of Jesus, in the eyes and the heart of Jesus. You, I just want to speak this over every single one of you. You are God's treasure. Holy Spirit, would you release just a powerful revelation of that to each and every one? That God went, found the treasure, liquidated Jesus, his own son, to buy the treasure. To buy us. Let thankfulness arise in our hearts once more. Let obedience be our every breath. In the name of Jesus. And Father, for those in the room this morning where you are the treasure hidden, I pray that in this very moment their eyes would be enlightened to see you, Jesus. Open our eyes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.